Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good evening church. It is a privilege to stand before you once more. You may open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We are carrying on with our series in the parables this evening. This this one this evening is one of the more famed parables if not the most famed that of the prodigal son Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 32 it reads as follows And he said there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father Father give me the share of the property that is coming to me and he divided his property between them Not many days later the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living And when he had spent everything a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the into his fields to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but i perish here with hunger i will arise and go to my father and i will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants and he arose and and came to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his oldest son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look these many years i have served you and i never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young goat that i might celebrate with my friends but when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found thus far 
in God's word. Let us pray. Once more, O Lord, we gather in faith. Faith that when we open your word and when we proclaim it, it is not a book club. It is the truth of the living God unto his children and unto the hearts of sinners. So Lord, may your word achieve its glory and its ends tonight, I pray. May your word achieve its glory and its ends in spite of my inadequacy and weakness. To your glory, I pray in your name. Amen. I have titled it The Wrong Brothers. The Wrong Brothers. This isn't the right brothers. They are not inventing new ways to fly. They are inventing ways to break their father's heart. To sin. To rebel. Each of them in turn, each of them are found sinful. They are filled with pride. They make the wrong choices. They go down the wrong paths. They are filled with the wrong attitude in their hearts. One brother near at home, one brother far off in a distant land. Both are terribly, terribly lost. Helpful to understanding where we are going this evening are the first two verses of this chapter. Luke 15, verse 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. There is this jab aimed at Jesus by the religious elite of the day. Hey, Jesus, you hang out too much with sinners. You eat with them. You spend too much time in their homes. We don't like it. Jesus responds with three parables. First, the lost sheep. If you lose one of your sheep, and surely you will go to great lengths to find it. And when you have found it, you gather all your neighbors and your friends and you rejoice. So too there is joy in heaven when a sinner, a single sinner, repents. Second, the lost coin. Imagine a woman loses a 200 rand note. She leaves everything else until she finds it. And when she finds it, she buys a Coke for her neighbors and friends and celebrates. So too there is joy in heaven when a single sinner repents. You get the picture. Something of value is lost and needs finding, and when it is found, we rejoice. Third, third, so too in tonight's parable, the foolish younger brother was lost to the world, but he came back. And a party was thrown, and they had a big bride. <laughs> but Jesus adds another character to this parable. An older brother who thinks he has it all together, but tragically he misses the point of it all. You, Jesus, you mix too much with sinful people. That is the accusation. And this is Jesus' Jesus' response to the Pharisees through this parable. You Pharisees are too blind and selfish and arrogant and prideful. You are thieves of joy. Something that should be joyous. A sinner coming to repentance. 
You stand in opposition to this joyous occasion. You are so stuck up in your religion that when the hand of God moves unto the salvation of sinners, you are unmoved. That's where we're going to end up. Believer, if, if you struggle with pride, just as I struggle with pride, listen attentively. <laughs> But we cannot skip this, this younger brother. In him, in him we, sign, we find something of what it looks like to be lost and dead and then to be found and made alive. There is something of the magic or perhaps rather something of the majesty and wonder and miracle of salvation that we see in this younger brother's story. If you're a believer... <laughs> You ought to read this and be reminded of the sweetness of salvation. If you are an unbeliever, listen attentively. In this story, you find the hope of salvation. Are you lost and dead and empty? There is hope in this story. Listen for it. And so, wrong brother, number one, the younger brother, the lost sinner. Give me my inheritance so I can live life how I want to live it. Here in Africa, this is where the belt comes out. That's the end of the story. May his soul rest in peace. Give me my inheritance so I can live life how I want it. Rebellion. You ever felt that desire? This is my life. Why all the rules? Why all the expectation? Why do I have to fit into some sort of mold? I am better off on my own. I am better off when I can sleep when I like and wake when I like and do what I like and come home as late as I like. There is a tragicness to it when the son thinks himself greater than the father. The son, the son looks his father in the eye and says, give it to me. I'm done with this. I don't want you anymore. I just want your stuff. Give me your stuff, my inheritance. Apparently you owe this to me, so give it to me. So I can go live my life how I want to live my life. I want to be free of you, the son says to the father. When the creature thinks himself greater than the creator. Not only greater, but seeks independence of him. Seeks to make the, the creator an accessory to his life. The creator from eternity past accounts for his creation. He creates with care, not just something, but someone in his own image. He breathes his breath into it, just as he did with Adam and Eve, so too he knits us together inside our mother's womb. You sitting there, you are not just the sum of birds and bees, you are the sum of God's will and his power to create. But in our sinful state, just like this younger brother, we are in enmity with him. Pridefully, pridefully we rebel. We would do anything and everything to shake free of everything that would remind us we are accountable to a holy God. 
We put effort into this. We read and write books about this. We make and listen to podcasts about this. We watch endless videos about this. This is what the world looks like. The sinful world does not want to be accountable to a holy, holy God. I want the life he gives, but I want it my way. On my terms, as I please, to my pleasure. And so the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I am going to live my way because I do not want God. And so the fool lives his way. Tragically, to his own detriment, he finds out his way does not live up to his expectations. What at face value promised joy and pleasure and satisfaction, what at face value seemed to be a good move, the youngest son soon found out was empty. His fortunes changed and his fortune was spent on reckless living and he found himself with nothing. In a foreign land, far from home, he seeks a job tending pigs. Such was his state, his desperation that he longed even to eat what the pigs ate. But even that was denied him. Such, such is the lost sinner's journey to salvation. If you are a Christian, this should ring a bell. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as feeding pigs and almost starving to death. But what comes next is necessary. There does need to be this moment of clarity. It is in the stench, in the darkness, this pit of pigs, this pit of despair. This is where the light shines with its most clarity. This is the moment where you came to your senses. This is the moment where by God's grace you realize, I am a lost sinner living in rebellion against the holy God. I need help. I can't do this on my own. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am unworthy. I am unworthy. In this moment of clarity, there is no room for pride. There is no room for pointing fingers at others. I dug my own grave and I got what I deserved. If the Father wants nothing to do with me, he is fully within his rights to do so. I have no claim. I have no right. I have no stake in my father's inheritance. I depend solely and wholly on his mercies. I, a sinner, have nothing to offer to a holy God. There is no room for pride in repentance. And so the son, the son makes his way home. And he, he has this plan in his head that he, he keeps repeating to himself again and again. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But while, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said this to his servants. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. 
and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And they began to celebrate. Your story quite possibly, quite probably, is not as dramatic as that story. I don't know any pig farmers here tonight. That is of little significance. It is not the pigs that matter, it is the clarity and the repentance that matters. You don't have to wait to quarter to or five to destruction to turn around and to repent and go back to the Father. I am convinced... (laughs) And I am sure that there are Christians here tonight, even here tonight, that can attest to this. As the youngest son demanded his inheritance, as he set off on his long journey to a foreign land, if he had come to his senses the very next day, I am convinced even on that next day, the father would have ran out to meet him and kissed him and hugged him and welcomed him back. The story does not tell us, but the word of God does. (laughs) The passing of time was not to ease the father's anger. It was grace upon grace upon grace to give the son time to repent. Or do you presume, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? My friend, unbeliever here even tonight, he waits for you. You need not go down, all the way down that foolish road. Even tonight, believe in Jesus. Here is your moment of clarity. Turn from your sin. The Father longs for you to come home. Psalm 86, verse 5, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That is the younger brother with his failed quest for independence and his humble return home. Wrong brother number two, the older brother, the lost Pharisee. Now his older older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, look, these many years I have served you, and I never once disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat 
that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. Look at me. I'm the better son. I've obeyed you. I've worked for you. I've never betrayed you. I didn't leave you. I've been faithful all these years. Where's my party? Where's my fattened calf? What's the point of keeping your commandments year after year after year when clearly it doesn't matter because you're rewarding this bad son for his bad behavior? Why? Why so angry? Why so bitter? Why so sad? What, what is going on inside this older brother's head? What is the anatomy of a Pharisee? Three things, three things. He is self-righteous. He is envious. He does not understand grace. He is self-righteous. Many years I have served you. I have obeyed all your commands. I, I was not the one who prematurely asked for an inheritance. I did not walk down dark alleys of foolishness. I have not betrayed you. I have not, I have not, I have not. What was the point of keeping all those rules and working so hard if you don't even care? If, if you have visited me recently, you will have noticed there's a new TV on the wall. (laughs) This is not because I struck gold. No, this is because a couple of years ago, my grandmother passed away and she left a little something for each of her grandchildren. Do you know, I did not sweat a single day for that little something that she left for me. It was not owed me. I did not earn it with good behavior other than just existing and being her daughter's son. I really didn't do anything. I probably probably could have been the black sheep of the family and I still would have gotten that little something. Look at me. The older brother says, look at all I've done for you. Look at how much more deserving I am of all your attention and love and affection. I deserved a party. I deserved it, so says the Pharisee. The Pharisees' good works are not unto the glory of God. They are unto the glory of self. They want to be seen. They need it to be known. Because if they don't have their good works, they cannot prove how much better they are than their brother who ran off to some distant country and squandered his inheritance on prostitutes. A Pharisee standing before God is determined. Let me start that again. A Pharisee standing before God is determined by the worst sins of others, not by the love of the Father. A Pharisee standing before God is determined by the worst sins of another, not by the love of the Father. And so 
And so when the worst sinner comes home, the Pharisee feels threatened. He hears the music. He sees the dancing. He envies the father's show of love towards his son who was once dead and lost and now is alive and now is alive and found. He envies him. A quote on envy. How much of hell is there in the temper of an envious man? The happiness of another is his misery. The good of another is his affliction. He looks upon the virtue of another with an evil eye and is as sorry at the praise of another as if that praise were taken away from himself. Envy makes him a hater of his neighbor and his own tormentor. There was a study, there was a study done on the effect of certain football results on German football fans. The fans were shown two videos. One video was of the German national team winning. The other was of the Netherlands national team, their rivals, losing. It was found (laughs) that the fans enjoyed watching their rivals lose more than they enjoyed watching their own team win. The Pharisee enjoys watching his brother suffer. He does not desire his brother's repentance. He did not want him to come home. He treasures these words, I told you so. He treasures the title of good brother. The good of another is his torment. He is threatened by the happiness of another the celebration of his brother's repentance is his envy. I live here at church. There's a flat just a few meters away there. During the week, especially at night, I am very glad there is a tall fence with electric wires on top of it. But on a Sunday, that gate... That gate must open. Christians must gather and sinners must enter and hear the gospel. The Pharisees don't want intruders. The Pharisee doesn't like the idea of someone else coming in to disrupt the status quo. He doesn't want that gate open. He may mask it in different ways, I'm keeping the wolves out, he might say. I'm defending the truth, he might say. But in his heart, he's not defending the truth. He is trying to gatekeep the very gates of heaven. He would turn sinners away from salvation. This this is the Pharisee's kingdom built with his own blood and sweat and tears and self-righteousness. The idea of a sinner coming in who is bought by the blood of Jesus is a horror to the Pharisee. A sinner does not deserve forgiveness. A sinner must earn his place. A sinner must, earn, must prove himself with his own blood and sweat and tears. He cannot simply walk in by the blood of Jesus. The Pharisee He does not understand grace. He cannot know grace, for he he, he never came to his senses. 
He has never asked for forgiveness. He doesn't even think he has ever wronged God. He is blinded by his own pride. Why would God bother with saving a sinner? He cannot comprehend it. For him to comprehend God's salvation of a sinner, he has to admit to himself that his good works cannot save him. Well, the prideful Pharisee treasures his good works. And so this is a bridge too far. Another quote, the harlot, the liar, the murderer, they fall short of God's glory, but so do you. Perhaps, perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mine and perhaps you are on the crest of an oak. But you are as little able to touch the stars as they are. The Pharisee, he thinks he can stand atop, of, atop the mountain and touch the stars and touch the glory of God. He is a fool. There is a joy There is a beauty. There is a fitting celebration of a sinner repenting and coming home. There is something about this that grates the very soul of the Pharisee. Ironically, by opposing the sinner coming to repentance, in this grand attempt of the Pharisee to prove himself holy, ironically, this is the very thing that proves them unholy and sinful. A scene, a scene came to memory from the, the, the biographical film, The Aviator. The main character, Howard Hughes, is a bit of an eccentric and he struggles with OCD. And so in this one scene, he shakes someone's hand and then he rushes off to the bathroom to go scrub off every last germ. He scrubs and he scrubs with such vigor and tenacity and obsessive compulsion that he scrubs his hands raw and they begin to bleed. So too, the Pharisee who thinks their self-righteousness can make them clean before a holy God. The more they try to scrub their sins away with their own self-righteousness, the filthier they are before a holy God. Let's, let's conclude this. I think a helpful place to end is once more acknowledging the father in the story. The father goes out to meet the lost sinner returning home. He embraces him. He kisses him. The wretched sinner is redeemed by the love of the father. So too, even even as the party has started, even as the father celebrates, even as his heart leaps for joy at his lost son being found, the music is still playing and people are still dancing. It smells like Christmas. There's a feast going on. But in the midst of it, the father looks out the window and spots the older brother outside. He walks out. He leaves the 99 and he comes out to this one sheep that is lost. The verse says he entreated him. He begged him. He pleaded with him. Oh, Pharisee, won't you leave your pride to the side and come in 
and feel the joy of a sinner saved by grace. Mark preached it this morning. Are you a lost sinner in need of grace? See the Father beckons you home. See Jesus on the cross for your sins. Are you a lost Pharisee? See the Father beckons you in. See Jesus on the cross for your sins. His blood is sufficient. There is nothing for you to add. Come, O sinner. Come, O Pharisee. Come to God the Father through Jesus the Son. Come quickly. Come humbly. He beckons you in. He will not. He will not turn you away. Let us pray. Oh Lord, these things, as they always are, are easier preached than lived. Help us as we go home with them, as we consider them in our hearts. Sanctify us by your Spirit. Convict us of pride for the lost sinner, O oh Lord. I pray for that, that moment of clarity where they realize their need for a Savior. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.